Oh yes, you know what time it is. It's time for another episode of the Three in One Podcast. Joining us from Cleveland, Ohio, they call him Mister Pivot. Please give it up for International Ian Lamont Morgan. First the NFL draft, next the NBA All Star. Someone come on to Cleveland. Yeah, come true. And here in the capital city, they call him the Black John Morant because he is coming for your neck. It's your boy, Malcolm Morgan. Okay. Okay, Ja. Yes. We need Ja to make sense of all this. (laughs) Where is Ja? Where is Ja? Oh, and that's right. This is all about basketball today. We're not talking about football. We're not talking about is Russell Wilson going to get traded. We're not talking about Aaron Rodgers rumors anymore. We're not talking about the the NFL draft. We're not even going to talk about rookie minicamp because who cares when it's time for playoff basketball? Take that, Keith. Take that for data. Um, Ian, how you doing today? I'm amazing. I'm amazing. The the birds are chirping, wind is blowing. We're it's it's been eighty degrees in Cleveland. How can you be mad? Look, I'm excited. You know, you, you mentioned it. You guys are getting an all star game in Cleveland. Yeah. I don't I mean that sounds like a terrible weather choice, but you know. Um I'm excited for you guys. What that means. I mean let the let the cold outside, but we'll make it hot on the inside. That's all that matters. Yeah, all star game in Sexland. Um Start the Colin. Okay. Start the right. <laughs> start the Colin Sexton um, All Star campaign. Uh, all Star. Right, let's start with All Star campaign. Let's do that. Uh, but make okay. sure we encourage him. Keep him encouraged, guys. Nothing but positive yeah, stuff to Colin Sexton. Let's do it and drive his trade value. <laughs> uh, all right, y'all. So we're gonna get started with NBA play in action. Just a full disclosure. It is Wednesday night that we are recording this podcast, so the Western Conference games are happening right now. So we will be talking little to none about them, because by the time this comes out, it will be outdated. Sorry. But if you want to see our thoughts on the Western Conference games, maybe check out our social media at 3-1-Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We may just give you guys some instant takes about our thoughts on those Western Conference games. But, right. but only That's if you right. follow us. If you don't. No promises. Um, Your phone will blow up. (laughs) (laughs) So let's start with the Eastern Conference. Uh, Boston beat Washington in the 7-8 game, clinching the number seven spot. They're going to play the Brooklyn Nets in the first round. Um, Indiana blew out the Charlotte Hornets, um, scoring 144 points without Karis LeVert, without Miles Turner. Um, Just a big win for Indiana. Let's start there. to me, this was a shocking result. I, I thought at least Charlotte would show up in this game, but pretty early on, Indiana came out hot and, and did not take their foot off the gas. Yeah, when when you hit a young team like that in the mouth early, uh, they, they often will not find a way to recover. Mm. And not that they played you know, terribly the rest of the way, but uh, they didn't do enough, especially on the defensive end, mm-hmm. which you know has kind of been the mo for Charlotte. Yep. Um, but I, I honestly think um, they they gotta be encouraged, you know, by being able to to, to go out here. Uh, see these um, had a big, pretty big game by Miles Bridges, who uh, I'm gonna go ahead and put my bid in now. That is my 
2021-2022 most improved player mm. uh, 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 prediction because I think Miles is putting some things together and it'll be a solid uh, maybe number two scoring option for him. Okay. But yeah, I, I, I expect it for them to lose and to, and to lose maybe 12-13. I, I didn't think Indy would drop 144. Yeah. My goodness, especially without Karras. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was that was the big surprise for me. I mean, this this team is very depleted. Uh, even Sabonis didn't have a great scoring game. Um, but O'Shea Brissett showed up in this game. Doug McDermott shot the ball extremely well, especially early in that game when they were really making that initial run. But credit to the to the Hornets for for the season that they had. I think you know Lamelo Ball outperformed what I thought, and this team overall outperformed what I thought. Gordon Hayward looked like he has found a role there. He did not play in this game. He's still out um, from injury earlier in the year. So um, that was a big a big um, hole that they, they weren't able to fill in this game in particular. But I think a big upgrade for the Hornets is going to be they need some bigs and they need another A1 scorer. I don't know if they – I think Gordon Hayward is a good number two guy maybe. Um, and, and Miles Bridges could be a three or a four score, but they really need another guy to help. That's a little dynamic, a little athletic that can get them some buckets when they need it. And then defensively, they've got to improve as we saw in this game, obviously giving up 144 points. Um, oh. you know, to talk about their bigs, we got, you know, Bismack Biombo, who is the least athletic athletic center I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> Cody Zeller, whose game is receding like his hairline. And, you know, PJ, PJ Washington is actually a pretty good big, good stretch forward. Doesn't give you a whole lot in the paint, but is a pretty good shooter. Um, so I think if they can add, you know, it feels like everybody needs this, but a good shot blocking um, three point shooting center. That'd be great. If they could get a Shaq Dirk Nowitzki hybrid, I think that's the perfect player um, for every team in the NBA. Yeah, man. And, and like you mentioned, you know, you look at the rebound disparity, uh, they're, they're, you know, minus 18 yeah. on that, on that. And, you know, and then defensively, I mean, it was just easy for Indiana shot 55%, 35 assists on 58 buckets. Like that's going to <laughs> nine times out of 10, that's the team that's going to win the ball game. Yeah. Um, but I mean, again, you know, young promising teams, I'm, I'm you know, I can remember um, seeing OKC figure it out. I can remember seeing the young Cavs cut their teeth and, and figure it out. And so, um, this is part of the process, and so yeah. I, you know it's good to get it under your belt, learn what you need to learn, and, and move from here. But uh, they're they're exciting down there, Charlotte. I think they're building something special. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but this this Indiana team, they're going to go on and face um, Washington for the eighth seed in the East. Um, how how do these two teams match up? You know, Washington came out pretty. They started out playing pretty flat, and they actually ended up with a halftime lead. And then in the second half, kind of the game got away from them a little bit. But how do you see Indiana matching up with Washington um, for that eighth spot? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, when you look at the size, I think it's advantage Pacers. Um, And the question for me is, what do you do with Sabonis? Mm -hmm. Um, Brogdon is a very capable and under, under control guy. And with a hobble, Bradley Beal, and then not knowing what you're going to get out of Russ. And, and much love to him, and God bless him, but playoff Russ is 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 not a pretty scene. So mm-hmm. I, again, have Indiana taking it pretty handily. Um, I, I think they just overwhelm, and especially O'Shea Brissett, it, this is not a new development. Mm-hmm. That young man's been balling for a couple months. 
And um, and I think they can just hit from many directions, and Washington cannot. Mm. Yeah, I think the the big thing for Washington is they have to be more efficient, especially from their stars. Um, we know that that Beal and Westbrook are have to are going to have to carry a big part of the load. But in that game against Boston, they were just not shooting well, uh, really at all. Beal one of six from three, Westbrook zero of four from three, and Beal really didn't get to the free throw line either, where he is you know money. So they've got to figure that part out. And I think, you know, I don't think they're going to have another game like they did against Boston. Uh, but they need more from Rui Hachimura. Only gave them eight points in that game. Um, you know, da- Daniel Gafford and Ish Smith were really were the only other double digit scorers in those games in that game. So they've got to find points from other places. And then they've got to lock in on defense against this team. Um, it's not it's it's not a team in Indiana that you're going to you can look at one guy and say that's who they're going to run the, run the offense to. Um, so when you look at this Indiana team, you've got to play good, solid team defense because they're going to be hunting for the best shot and whoever's hot. And, you know, in the last game, it was Brissett. The next game, it could be TJ McConnell again. It could be Sabonis again. It could be, uh, McDermott again. So they've really got to lock in on defense. I think that this is Washington's game to lose. I think they are going to come in really focused and really looking to prove a point against this Indiana team. I'm really surprised that Indiana has gotten to this point with the way they've been depleted. So I'd be uh, shocked if they were able to come out of this game against Washington with a win. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I, if, if Russ can, listen, he's been having triple doubles all year. <laughs> um, look at the average, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, in this game, six of 18, I, I can't see that from Russ. Yeah. I can't see that from Russ. Um, six and twelve, six and thirteen. But if you know the shot's not going, um, you know that's when you want to see eleven, twelve assists from Russell Westbrook because yeah. you know something clicked where he said, "Well, let me get Rui Hachimura uh, involved." Like you said, a lot of the times that's that's when point guard play, especially in the playoffs, when it really matters most, yeah. is when you need to get multiple guys involved. And we see that did not happen in this game. Hopefully, they can pull it together in the next one. Yeah. Um, and then let's talk about Boston. You know, Jason Tatum obviously had the big game, 50 points um, to go along with eight rebounds and four assists in that game. Kimba Walker also had 29. Tristan Thompson was the third leading scorer with 12, and those are the only three guys in double figures. But Boston looked pretty much in control um, of this game, especially in that second half. Do they do they pose any threat to, to Brooklyn? Uh, outside threat. I mean, I, I think they could be a sleeper. If, if Kevin Walker is going to do that, then maybe, possibly, um, because I don't anticipate Evan Fournier is going to shoot poorly every night. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is streaky. He is not um, good in the playoffs. Also, His playoff numbers are not good. Yeah, that's true, too. And honestly, if Robert Williams isn't healthy, and I think uh, I think Marcus Smart uh, uh, rolled an ankle in that game mm-hmm. as well, so you kind of got to keep an eye on that. Uh, yeah, I mean the big question is scoring. Does do, does Boston have enough scoring uh, to to even put them in the same class as Brooklyn? The answer is no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Has to do a lot of things wrong. This series to be interesting. Yeah, they can't. This is a team that can't take advantage of the biggest weakness of the Brooklyn Nets, and that's their bigs inside. Um, yep. You know. You can argue that the Nets bigs are, are actually better than than the Celtics bigs uh, in this series. And so that puts a lot of pressure on Jason Tatum. He has to be the best guy in this series um, for them to win. Unfortunately, the other three guys he's going up against are Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. 
Um, so it's gonna be it's gonna be really tough sledding for them. I would if they had Jalen Brown, I, I'd be a little bit more interested in this series. But I think it's gonna be a rough go for Boston. Am I the only one that thinks that? And I don't love everything. They definitely have their holes. I think they look more fluid when it's either Tatum or Brown. I think so, but yeah, yeah, I I agree. Those guys, I think, probably play with a little bit more of a clear head. They're not looking to have to set each other up, or they don't super complement each other. They kind of play similar games, but in terms of team as a whole, it really lowers their ceiling. Because they just don't. I mean, Kemba is is not the Kemba of Charlotte. If if we were getting Charlotte Kemba, maybe I'd even feel a little bit better. But you know, Kemba's going to be a little up and down with his injuries and where he is in his career now. So I agree with you in, in one way, but at the same time, they need Jalen, and if they want to be a contender, agreed, agreed. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see Boston work it out, but. Uh... This ain't gonna be the year. <laughs> fire, fire the boat. Fishing it is. Uh, so let's talk about some other um, playoff matchups. We're looking at one of yours, I believe, came to came to pass. Um, yeah, wanted to see Dallas Clippers. Um, so, is there any other series that you're looking at that you're really interested to see how it plays out? Well. I guess we shall soon see because uh, either Phoenix Golden State or Phoenix Lakers, I think, is mm. really interesting. Uh, of course, Lakers would be a better matchup. Um, I'd love to see AD, DeAndre Ayton. Um, <laughs> of course, in my mind. I think AD would love to see that, too. I think all of the Lakers would be really excited <laughs> to see that. Dominate. <laughs> but, you know, I, I give – I, I want to see if the addition of Chris Paul has added any more metal to the to, to DeAndre Ayton's approach and, and see if he would actually uh, uh, bring some toughness in the playoffs. So, I, I don't know. That would be a really fun matchup. But then just looking at Golden State – I just always want to see Steph and Chris Paul. Mm. Um, ever since he made that man fall and touch the ground. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I think. Looking elderly. Been a, uh, <laughs> but, I mean, CP is having, listen, revenge season. Yeah. He's on a rampage. And, uh, yeah, I think it'd be. Um, now, for, I'll just choose the one that wouldn't be a sweep and say L.A. Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think L.A. has to be the matchup that Phoenix does not want to see. Because I don't think they match up very well against, against L.A. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think it's any secret. I don't think a lot of teams match up well against LA, but Phoenix, I mean, they had a rough go of it when it was just AD and no LeBron. Um, so I think they'd have a really rough, rough go with that team. Um, the, you know, the matchup I want to see, I think we'll see early. Um, if Milwaukee is for real, this Milwaukee Miami rematch, um, their second mm. year playing in the playoffs. Obviously, Milwaukee was the number one seed last year, was the favorite to come out of the East, but Brooklyn, I mean, not Brooklyn. Miami really took it to them. And you know Jimmy Butler, a Jimmy Butler team, is not going to be afraid of anybody. So if you put those teams back up against each other this year, you'd like to think that Milwaukee has learned. They're going to play better. They've got Drew Holiday. Their offense looks more fluid this year than it has in previous years. But I think the pressure is really on Milwaukee to prove that last year was a little bit of a fluke and they've learned. Um, Because if they lose again to Miami, especially in the first round with the moves that they made, Signing Drew Holiday to that big extension, there could be some big changes in Milwaukee next year. Yeah, it's, that's definitely from a basketball perspective, from a legacies perspective. A lot of eyes gonna be on that game. Yeah, you know, you know what series I think is gonna be very, very, very fun to watch. 
Knicks Hawks. Yeah. I am looking forward to seeing that. Um, yeah, man, just just the the cast of characters in that series. Mm-hmm. Uh, from you know what does Nerlens Noel look like in the playoffs? Can he keep dominating when he's facing uh, uh, Clint Capella? Mm-hmm. You know, in a in a series, um, Trey Young, his you know is is his efficiency, but just the way that he you know approaches the man. There's, there's so many storylines. Julius Randle, uh, how does he build off of what's been an incredible season? Yeah. And can he really put his stamp as a force? I think, man, even if they get if Julius Randle goes goes in in this series, uh, even if the Knicks don't make it out, uh, I still submit him going into the next year as as borderline superstar. Yeah, I mean the dude is legit. But what do we say in the NBA when a number one seed <laughs> in the Western Conference, no matter who it is, they end up playing? is the least interesting series <laughs> in, the player, in the first round of the playoffs. Look, in the, in, what did LeBron say? Anybody checking for the Jazz? Um, oh, my God. No, I think the other thing is, I mean, Donovan Mitchell hasn't played in what? Uh, it had to be been over a month. And he is very important to what they do, especially in a playoff scenario. So if he's coming back and he's got to get, he's got to slowly get back going and they have to go up against the Golden State Warriors or the Lakers, I mean, I, that's that's a tough series for them. That's a really tough series for them. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it, it, we'll see how it goes. I, I like I said, that's I think that the lack of star power with Donovan being out, and there's some exciting things to look at. I mean, I like the way Joe Ingles plays. Yeah. When he kind of gets in the point guard mode, and yeah, he kind of takes on those responsibilities. Um. um uh, Bojan, I you know, I feel like he just starts shooting shots that just don't make sense sometimes. <laughs> but every now and again, he he's a bucket getter. So hopefully, I mean, but it's just you know Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, you you need that star power because I want to like Utah, yeah. I really do. But if they're not playing, I don't know. yeah, I, I, I hit the box. I, I hit the box score for that one. Here, here's the thing: if I had told you at the beginning of the of the season that we would see the Knicks. Or Hawks in the second round of the playoffs, and not in 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 only one of Miami or the Bucks. Would you have believed me? Absolutely not. <laughs> I, man, I've asked you what in the Kwame Brown. <laughs> That's how crazy. I mean, I was thinking about these matchups. I was like, one of the Knicks or the Hawks is going to be in the second round of the playoffs, and we will not see Jimmy Butler or Giannis in a Kupo. In the second round, and that's crazy to me. That is absolutely crazy to me. But it's uh, it is a true testament to how weird this season has been from COVID, shortened season, injuries, all of those things. Um, so yeah, let's talk a little bit about some some NBA awards. Monty Williams will be the NBA Coach of the Year um, by reports, um, leading the Phoenix Suns, the number two seed, back into the playoffs. Um, about this award, I think this is really – he really earned this in the bubble and this season. I think people saw what he did in the bubble, and there's really no way to reward that team after they went undefeated, didn't make the playoffs. And so seeing what he did this year with this team, adding Chris Paul, getting them to play more competent basketball, more consistent basketball, I think you really got to give a lot of credit to Monty Williams and his staff for what they did in getting this team ready for a playoff run. We have been campaigning for Monty Williams to get his due on yeah. this podcast all year. 
Um, and and kudos to him because he consistently kept his team in the uh, in the hunt. You know, one game out of the one seed in the West. That's impressive. Yeah. You know, from going into the bubble and they were they were still a joke to a lot of people, but they showed so much heart. They they were one of the funnest teams to watch in the bubble. Yeah. Um, and like you said, and ran the table even though they didn't make it in. But man, uh, to see this 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 black man. This brother who has endured so much turmoil in his life. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, even go back, you know, to the accident that claimed his wife's life. Just so many different things um, um, that could have derailed. But his perseverance, I mean, how could you not follow a guy like that? Yeah. Um, but to be able to, without accolades and everything, bring in, like you said, a piece like a Chris Paul. We're talking one of the best point guards in the history of the game yeah. could have easily been been overrun but they just have so much respect of course they had history uh but to integrate him um and and man i i'm hoping for a great deal of playoff success either you know taking six seven games in the second round or a conference finals appearance because i want monty names uh monty williams name to be in people's mouths as much as it should be so i i love it man put some respect on that man's name yeah I think, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for Monty, happy that he won this award. And I, th- I think he definitely deserves it. I'm a little surprised Tom Thibodeau didn't win it. Um, because this Knicks team, I don't think anybody expected anything from this Knicks team, to be completely honest. Um, especially if I had told you that they get almost nothing from Obi Toppin this year. I think a lot of people would have been like, okay, well, this is a really bad year for the Knicks, and they're back in the lottery. Uh, but what he was able to do to make this team competent again, playing really good defense, Julius Randle, I think, has a, a a big part of that with his development, the work that he put in this summer, but the system that Tom Thibodeau put in, getting the best out of those guys, getting the best out of Emmanuel quickly, and getting the best out of Nerlens Noel and Derrick Rose at this stage of his career, I think Tom Thibodeau deserves a lot of credit and consideration for the award as well. Absolutely, and I I think if he's up around fifty wins, you know, forty eight mm-hmm. things like that, floating around the top, probably get more conversation, but. Also, you know, the NBA's tapped in. They're like, yeah, we might want to give it to a black man this year. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, if we get if if we get coach of the year, we might get all the awards. Listen, let's do it. Let's do it. We should. <laughs> um, let's talk about some other awards. Rookie of the year. You know, early in the year, we, I think we would have clearly said LaMelo Ball is the is the rookie of the year. But Anthony Edwards made a good late push for this award. So do you think LaMelo is still the pick, or did, or did Edwards catch him? I am going to stick with LaMelo. Um, I think him coming back from a broken hand, um, broken wrist even even further, I mean, because they push and they end up making it into the play-in game. Yeah, what happened, happened. But, you know, uh, Anthony Edwards wasn't even think about a play-in game. <laughs> that, there, there wasn't a whole lot of consideration. So I, I think you've got to give it to a rook that comes in, exceeds expectations, much ballyhooed, much hype, been, you know, yeah, but comes in and surprises and instantly gains the respect of uh, of these, you know, these veteran NBA players that are like, nah, this kid is legit. So Melo's still my, my, my rook of the year. Man, I, I, if only this is the, the one stat that I think separates them. And I didn't realize it was this big of a disparity. Anthony Edwards played 21 more games than LaMelo Ball. He played in all 72 games. Um, and LaMelo only played in 51. 
and that's I, I don't that's a tough that's a tough um a tough thing for me to to kind of reconcile um Edwards played really well down the stretch and a lot of you know the team's success I think was was negatively affected by the fact that Carl Anthony Towns missed a lot of time um this year um D'Angelo Russell did not live up to expectations they fired their coach in the middle of the year and Anthony Edwards really came on you know he was playing pretty well early but he really solidified his play um ended the season averaging over 19 points a game um I really like what he did to close out the year. And I think, I actually think Anthony Edwards might've, might've overtook LaMelo all the games that he missed. I think are going to catch up to him in voters minds. People are going to remember. I mean, and then we all remember the dunk. We all remember the dunk against the Raptors where he tried to end that man's career. And as far as I know, did end that man's career. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Not been heard. (laughs) So I'm actually going to go Anthony Edwards with this. I think Lamelo may end up being the the more consistent star, but I think Anthony Edwards won the award this year. I mean, Anthony Edwards played more games and lost a higher percentage of games. Yes, he did. I mean, my, mind you, you know, neither one of these guys were – well, no, I think that's – yeah, I was going to say neither one of them were the first option, but it could be argued that as time went on, yeah, they eased LaMelo in, but once they saw what he could do, I mean, they, they pretty much put the ball in his hands. Um, yeah. And I, having to contend with Terry Rozier and, you know, still had a little bit of, of uh, Devon Graham in there as well, but he still shined. Yeah. And so – I will. The one argument I want to make I, is, I think it's close. yeah, they put the ball in his hands a lot, but it's not. He's he does not carry a big part of the scoring load for for um for Charlotte, even though they need scores. I mean, Anthony Anthony Edwards was really the primary perimeter scorer for most of the year. Um, D'Angelo Russell wasn't quite what they had expected from him this year, and they were missing Cat for a lot of the year as well. And then outside of that, there's not a whole lot of players to be excited about <laughs> on this Minnesota team. Um, so I think that I think that's part of it as well is that Anthony Edwards was was the primary scorer for most of this year, and Lamelo did kind of get eased in, and then they kind of handed the keys to him. But even after that, his scoring numbers aren't huge. I don't know if they'll ever be huge, just just because of the nature of his game. He's more of a facilitator. So, I mean, it's it's I think it's going to be a tighter vote than we thought it would be if you if we had asked this mid season or even quarter way through the season, um, or three quarters way through the season, but. Um, Man, I'm really interested to see how these numbers shake out. I, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Anthony Edwards. He's my pick, and I think um, I wouldn't be surprised if he pulled it out. I'm I'm trying to stick to my pick, but boy, that Anthony Edwards has some moments this year. Yeah, he really uh, did. <laughs> Young D Wade. Uh, I think I'm feeling more of a Vince. Oh wow. D- D Wade was moves.com. I mean, he was he was he was gonna put these moves on you, but from an explosiveness standpoint and interesting. And, I mean, young D Wade was pretty explosive. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But I mean, I, I don't I don't see the, the savvy uh, in Anthony Edwards game that I get from D Wade. Yeah. Well I think I'm thinking of comparing young Anthony Edwards to young D Wade. I think older D Wade was a little bit more savvy. Got the mid range game. You saw him but in that in that even in that Dallas series, it was basically just 
Dwayne Wade, I'm just going to the basket and I don't care. <laughs> um, over and over, and, and you just couldn't stay in front of him. And it, I think it's it's hard for me. Yeah, like, Dwayne is one of the most cerebral players that on, on my list. He's one of the smartest players mm-hmm. I've ever seen play a game of basketball. So it's gonna take a lot for Matt to get up in that class yeah. for me. I mean. Even young D Wade was just yeah, it was it was mind blowing how good he was at basketball, just understanding basketball early on. Greatest two guard of all time, Ian? Uh he's in the top five for me. That was that was a joke, Ian. I, we all know he's not the greatest two oh, guard of all time. I you're correct. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna, you better not argue that or you could get us canceled. Listen, that man, that the John Stockton. Oh God! All right. So, um, other awards. Let's talk about defensive player of the year. Is anybody taking this from Rudy Gobert? Oh, I wish to God they would. Um, but probably <laughs> not. Yeah, probably not. I think he's a lot for it. Yeah. Um, ben Simmons had a real shot. Yeah, for a while there, and and I wanted to see that momentum keep up. But I think you know later in the year, uh, as 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 time went on. Rudy, uh, he's deserving, man. Um, uh, you can't deny the fact that he he is a difference maker. Utah's not number one with, with, without Rudy in the middle there. Um, I I think I just long for it to go to a more versatile defender. Yeah, in a perimeter, uh, it hasn't gone to a perimeter guy in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and those clips of Rudy getting isolated, you know, <laughs> on the perimeter <laughs> and getting cooked, they don't help. <laughs> Yeah, uh, they make it really, really, really tough to to stick with it. But I, you know, looking at Vegas and the odds and everything, Rudy's gonna run away with that. Now, yeah. do you like that though? I mean, I don't love it. I mean, I, I don't love it, but I, I, he is, he is the anchor for their defense, and so much of what makes their defense good is because of his presence in the middle. Um, and you know, I've seen, I saw Ben Simmons in quite a few games. I saw him in one game against Luka Doncic, and and Luka. He's he's on that list of people that you pretty much are just trying to contain. And Ben Simmons did as good as anyone I've ever seen guard Luca, staying in front of him, yeah. making it really difficult for him uh, because of his quickness and athleticism. So I would, and, and the other thing I would love to reward this Philadelphia team for the season that they have. We're not going to get Joel the MVP because of how many games he missed. Um, you know, Doc isn't going to get Coach of the Year. I would love to be able to say, okay, Philly, you guys deserve this. Uh, but I think just the the season Utah's had, even after losing Donovan, Donovan Mitchell, the level of defense they can play and how dependent it is on Rudy Gobert, it's it's hard to to pry that award away from him. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, shout out to Rudy. He, he, uh, the Stifle Tower. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I hated that <laughs> nickname. I have forever, I always will. But um. No, I mean, for all of the dis- disdain that I have for, for Utah in general, I'm learning. As time goes on, I'm just like, man, you really don't like Utah, bro. But, you're, uh, you're not the only one. I'm not the only one. And but, Utah uh, fans know yeah, it. Yeah, give him, give him his due. I, I <laughs> honestly, I think early on, I, I had some uh, so much hope for Joel Embiid to take one of these awards. Yeah. Um, and for a minute, his com- his name was in the conversation for both. Yeah. And so I was looking forward to something special. I think Giannis could. Voter fatigue. Yeah, I think I think he'll be in the top three. I think he's that third guy, um, but I don't I don't think he's going to win it this year. And most of it is voter fatigue with with Giannis. <laughs> I think if if I compare him to others that I've seen, and I don't want to hedge, you know. Yeah, 
Uh, I mean, think of Ben Wallace. Yeah. And what a defensive force he was wherever he was on the court. Yeah. I don't get that from Rudy Gobert. Mm. Um, you know, I, and, and but Ben Wallace also played in a different same. era, played in a much different Absolutely. era. I don't know if Ben Wallace could have played in this era. I understand it is more perimeter oriented, so I, I understand in this this era of uh, high level switching and everything like that. But I, I, and so maybe you're right. Maybe I'm tainted by the era in which I saw him play in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in my mind, it still it, it leaves the impression that he was just a much more well-rounded defender, especially when mm-hmm. it comes to perimeter. But you know, who who, who knows? It doesn't matter because Vegas has decided, and once Vegas decides, it's done. <laughs> it's gonna be Rudy, and uh, and I and I don't hate it. I don't love it, but I don't hate it. Look, here's here's what I'll say about, you know, no disrespect, Ben Wallace, uh, incredible. And there's things that he would have done really well in this era. But I think, honestly, offensively, people don't guard Draymond Green. And he can shoot a little bit. Ben Wallace is not shooting anything. They would just, Rudy Gobert be standing on the baseline. He wouldn't even be trying to guard Ben Wallace out beyond the three point, the free, uh, free throw line. Um, no, worse, worse than Tony <laughs> Allen. Worse than than Bo Outlaw. No, I forget who the other guy was. No, but Bo Outlaw was Hill. right. That's a good one. <laughs> um, man, there would just be a void around Bill Wallace because they just knew, they knew, and, and this this messed up. But it is the worst. Back. Like, like even like think back to to our our pickup basketball and and rap basketball. Um, you know, you get out there and you miss a few shots and they start playing off of you and you like, I'm not bad, man. I can still, and then you start shooting it and you just, you're just bricking it and your team is like, bro, just stop. Yeah. Yeah. They're instant. They instantly got an attitude because you don't know what you are and what you not. Like, man, <laughs> stop shooting. Stop shooting that. Stop shooting that mid range. Or yeah, like or, or what's even worse is the in the NBA when you see guys just they're just blatantly not taking the shot. They're wide open. No one's guarding them. Nobody's even running at them, and they're just sitting there looking for the looking for somebody to come get the like, bro, do something. Like, come on, <laughs> just do yeah, something. Man, it's so funny, as fearless as he is and everything, man. Watching Draymond Green swing the ball. Oh my gosh, when, when he's open for a three. And it's not it's not for lack of confidence in anything. He's just like, nah, even though he's got a man in his face, it's still a better shot. Yes. Let me go ahead and pass. Triple covered Steph Curry? Yeah, it's still better than me shooting three. Let's do that. <laughs> but still a better shot. <laughs> um, they even did that. Looking back at the Golden State um, Memphis game, they were really playing off jaw at the three-point line. And he did not shoot the ball well in that game. And after a couple misses, he was just kind of – hanging out on the perimeter, giving up the ball or running into the teeth of the defense where they had him completely walled off. And so that's one of those things where you're like, man, you, you start to feel bad for the guy because you know how he wants to play. But when a team sags off him that much, he's not shooting the ball. Well, he doesn't have the confidence to hit the shot. It's like, man, what do you do? What do you do? Cause if you look what at the, you do? cause then you'll get killed. If you go Oh, for 10 from three. Most definitely. Like, oh, why is he? Should, he should be going to the basket every time, even if there's five guys in the paint. Who cares? Um, get in the, in the words of Shaq and, and uh, Charles. Get in the paint, dominate. Uh, 
<laughs> right. Let's talk about most improved player. Um, Julius Randle is. It's a lock. It, it's a lock, but I, I think there is a conversation to be had for Zion for this award. Nah, I mean, nah, and Zion did some really, really <laughs> impressive things, field goal percentage wise, and everybody loves point Zion, so that's that's cool too. But man, <laughs> Julius went from, and mind you, I don't think he got eons better than he was the last no he did last year in New Orleans he absolutely and, did and and what he. Uh, his last year in New Orleans and his, uh, mind you, now I'm a little biased because, you know, I was playing fantasy basketball. I had Julius those last three years. Mm-hmm. He has been showing his his ability to do this for a while, meaning he's, you know, particularly the, the, the triple threat scoring, rebounding, and, and, and assist. Um, I think, you know, he's just found a situation where they're willing to run the offense through him and so the productivity uh, kind of took a jump, but I think the fact that it did, he's going to get MVP attention. I wouldn't even be surprised if he got some outside votes. You know, he's not going to get, you know, whatever. Uh, and so all of that considered, Zion is, is, hey, man, you know, shout out to my man. So I'm, I'm glad for <laughs> I'm happy for all your success, but I, I can't even look his way, particularly because I think everybody knows Julius is not going to get MVP. Um, and so the consolation prize, I think, is going to end up being most approved player. So this is why I think Julius Randle is eons better than he was. Um, two years ago in New Orleans, he shot 34% from three, which was his career high. He never got out of out of 20% before that. And then last year with the Knicks, he was 27%. All his other years, he was 27 27%, 22% from three. This year, he bumped up to 41 um, on more attempts, shooting over five a game, which is more than – Close to double what he what he his previous career high was, um. So adding that dimension to his game is is a cheat code with him because of how big and strong he is. He has he's are he's always to me had good touch. It was just about consistently like knocking down the shot. And then this year he also added that facilitation ability, being able to pass the ball. He once again doubled his career high in assist from three to six this year which means he's not just a scorer, but he's also getting his other Knicks teammates involved. So I love that about his game, as well as just way more consistent with the diversified game, being able to score from from all different levels on the court. I mean, he's nearing that superstar status, like you said earlier in the year. But what I will say about Zion, that man averaged 27 points a game, um, you know, 61% from the field on a team that is not built for him to be involved in the paint at all. Um, they have next to no shooters. They traded away the only real shooter they had. Lonzo Ball was their shooter, which is just scary as as any horror movie. Um, <laughs> so I think he's got to be in that conversation because of the way that he picked up his game from last year. Um, putting the ball in his hands a lot more was a really risky move, but really saw the dividends pay off. And if he starts to diversify his game again, um, with a little bit more shooting, a little bit more action outside of the paint, and he ups his assist numbers, we could be looking at an even more dominant player next year. I'm with you. I And I, I have hope for Zion to, to definitely branch up. 
I don't know what it is about his his progress that does not strike me as as I mean I think because he's been he's been spotlighted and been yeah. number one option material um giving him most improved just kind of feel feels like a cheat but you're definitely right you know he he had a season that is worthwhile I just don't think it it was more worthwhile than Julius yeah and I, I once again I agree with you that I think Julius Randle is the is the most improved player um I just think Zion, that that Zion deserves to be in the conversation even though he doesn't deserve to win it to me that's legit. That's legit. Um, yeah, and then, you know, Brandon Ingram won it last year. Let's get two Pelicans. Pelicans back-to-back. Let's do it. And former Pelican. Once a Pelican, always a Pelican. Julius Randle. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Shout out to New Orleans. All right. So I wanted to spend some time going through the all-NBA teams, who you think. But let's just focus on the first team. Do you Do you think you know who would be on your all-NBA first team? Let's see here. Uh, at point guard, I'm going Chris Paul. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um. Ooh, and I want to go Steph. Trust me. I just think record wise, I gotta, I gotta give it to the guy who had. Hmm. Maybe not as good a season of scoring, but definitely had a had a great as great a season getting his uh getting his team involved. This seems like the I uh, think Chris Paul I think Chris Paul's gonna get a lot of love. He you is know, for for uh, for what he did this year. <laughs> you said you think this is what? Is it, he he's he'll get some love. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, love. I just didn't want to go with Steph, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, all right. I mean you're I wrong for not going with Steph, but okay. <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. But uh, you know, this is this is for the listeners. This is how y'all know I love y'all. Um at shooting guard, oh man, are they putting Luca at the two? Or are they, are so they it doesn't have to be I mean, if you want to have two point guards, it doesn't matter as long as they're guards. Guard. Yeah. Yeah, that makes it tough. Um, but I'm gonna go ahead and do it. I'm gonna say CP and I'm gonna say uh I'm gonna say Steph. Okay. Um for my forwards. Ooh, it gets hairy here. I already know my center. I'm gonna go ahead and give it to Jokic. Mm-hmm. My forwards. Oh my, 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 my forwards. Oof. I mean, when you got choices like Kawhi's, like LeBron's, uh, I don't think LeBron played enough games. So I I'll uh, I'm gonna go ahead with uh with Giannis. Mm-hmm. And twice you could go with Giannis twice. <laughs> right, Giannis, <laughs> Giannis, uh, Giannis on repeat. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say Giannis and and maybe even Bam. I don't know. Does he, I don't putting, think he, he's a center. Are they putting it? Oh, Bam's never been a center in my mind, but. He does play center for them. It's weird. You know what? I'm thinking. I know what I'm thinking about. All right, uh, man, you got to give me a second on this other forward. That's okay. the one I've been wrestling with. Okay, but uh, here's I have at Chris Paul's on my second team. Um, my first team is Steph. I actually have Luca as the other guard. Um, mm-hmm. just his importance to that Dallas team. He's just unbelievable. Giannis was Giannis and Jokic are my other. Um, you know, with Giannis, Steph, and and uh, Jokic, those are my three locks, absolute locks. Um, and then I kind of played around with the other ones, but Jokic is my center. 
Um, and then uh, Giannis as one of my forwards. And I, I, I labored on this on this uh, second forward. I think I just went with Ka- Kawhi. I wanted to put Jimmy Butler, but I don't know if he played enough games for me to really consider him for number one. So I, I think I'll go with Kawhi as my second forward. Okay. Okay. And you're sure we can't do two centers? Uh, so this year they did some fiddling with the positions. Um, I, I don't remember all of them, but uh, Luca can be considered a guard or forward. And for whatever reason, I don't know why jo- Joel Embiid can be a forward or a center. But I disregarded that because that makes yeah. no sense. He's literally played no minutes at forward this year. So I don't understand why they did that. Well, I thank God because that was my other choice. We're going to go ahead with Joel. So, I mean, it's pretty standard. Uh, Jokic, Joel Embiid, Giannis, uh, Steph, and I'm going with CP. I'm going to go ahead and give it to him. Okay. Uh, Luca, I love you, brother. But uh, but Chris Paul is, uh, I don't know. You know, he's on the back end of his career. You got a lot of years ahead of you. God bless you. Well, you have been a part of the Phoenix uh, fan club forever. Woo! So. I was a year early in that. You were, club. you were a year early, and then you almost—I think you almost jumped off to start off this year when they made the deal for Chris Paul. Or I don't remember if it was you or Keith that said they were not sure if that was going to matter and make them a good team. But um, I'm gonna just go ahead and say it was Keith. <laughs> um, I don't know if you have a second and thirteen, but my second team is Dame, CP, Jimmy Butler, Julius Randle, and Embiid. Um, and then my third team. Um, I actually went with Kyrie, Bradley Beal, Zion, Rudy at the center, reluctantly, and um, I put LeBron on the third team. Yeah, yeah, I, I similar. Uh, my second team, I had Dame, Luca, uh, I had Kawhi in there, um, and then I got Julius, uh, just because I'm I'm a fan, and then Rudy Gobert at the center. Wait, wait, wait. What was that? That on your, You had Julius on your third team, you said? No, nah, second. I thought you just named three forwards. No, nah, I said uh, Rudy, Julius, Kawhi, uh, Dame, and Luca. Okay, okay. And then uh, third team, yeah, go ahead and give it to Brad. Um, I got to give Kyrie love. Uh, uh, yeah, 50, 40, 90. That's, yeah. that's amazing. Um, and then Brian, and then Jimmy, and uh, and got Bam there. So you didn't have Zion. Zion didn't make any All NBA team. Zion did not make any of All NBA team. Man, I thought I, I felt like he needed to be rewarded in some way for the year that he had. Um, on I that mean, team, unlimited smoothies at Smoothie King Arena. Wow, I mean, I, I, wow. <laughs> like Zion, you know, appreciate you, bro. Wow, he's twenty-seven points a game, and he didn't make an All. That's interesting. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. I what to from, the impact, from the impact perspective, I'll take I'll take Jimmy over him. I will take Julius over. I mean, there's nobody that I would not plug into the ball game that I think would make any unit better. Yeah. Who are your guards again? Like just um, off I all had your teams. Steph, Steph and CP in the first. Uh, second, I had Dane Luca. Third, I had Brad and Kyrie. We basically had the same guards. Yeah, I had I, I had Luca as a guard. The only so the the people that I that were kind of on my fringe, Paul George, um, 
was on my fringe third team. Zach Levine was on my fringe third team. I really wanted Bam to make the third team, but I couldn't keep Rudy off. Um, just because I feel like, A, there needed to be a Utah Jazz player, and uh, he's probably going to be Defensive Player of the Year. Ben Simmons was fringe third for me, too. Yep. Um, and then it's it's weird, you know, with James Harden having the year that he had, just he missed was, he missed so many games, and then those to me those Houston games do not count because he was not playing basketball there. I don't know what he was doing <laughs> in Houston. Um, Masquerade, right? And then Kevin Durant, I don't think played enough games either, which is weird because Kyrie, if his numbers weren't as just great as they were this year, I probably wouldn't have him on a team either because of how many games he just decided he didn't want to play basketball anymore. But yeah, it was hard to deny. Even when he even when he was playing, he was just he's been the most consistent net in the lineup and, and on the floor. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um Jeremy Grant got some thought from me too. But not if there was a fifth team there was a fifth team there were, there was too many guys in line in front of him. Even though I do think we get into the name thing sometimes, where Paul George just is on the list, mm-hmm. even if he's not had an amazing season. But um, as most of us know, uh, for as much flack as he gets in the playoffs, Paul George he gets busy during the season. Regular season P. That's right. <laughs> consistently puts up uh, solid numbers on the offense and defensive end. He's still one of the best two two way players in the game. Don't let anybody confuse that. Yeah. Um, and if we ever see that from him in the playoffs, um, as, as many jokes get cracked, uh, you gonna hear the NBA breathe a collective sigh because we want to see PG be great. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, man. So we're gonna end the show talking about a little bit about the Hall of Fame. Um, twenty twenty class was inducted after much delay with COVID and all those things going on. We got the twenty. 20 uh, not NBA basketball Hall of Fame class which included um, Tamika Catchings, Tim Duncan Kevin Garnett, Kim Mulkey who was who is well no was the head coach at Baylor um, so he just recently left there uh, to take another job Barbara Stevens another coach Rudy Tomjanovich two-time um, NBA champion and former player and then Patrick Bauman who was an executive for uh, FIBA and then of course the late great Kobe Bean Bryant um I didn't get to. I, I don't super enjoy watching um, Hall of Fame speeches. I like to watch the highlights later. But there was a. a, a I mean, Vanessa Bryant. I think probably was the biggest, mm-hmm. biggest clips that I saw um, on social media. And even Kevin Garnett's speech, I thought would be like better. But it was just kind of a. It was a tame. He, he was reading. <laughs> was. I was hoping we get a little unhinged KG, but we didn't. Um, this class. You know, obviously Kobe takes a lot of the credit, but in terms of players, I would love to talk about Kevin Garnett. I think he's one of the most underappreciated players in NBA history. Um, wasted a lot of his prime in Minnesota when those teams were not good, um, and we didn't get to see him at his best. He was still good in Boston, but prime KG was a whole other situation on both ends of the court. He would have he he's one of those guys that was great in that era and would have been just as dominant in this era. Um, and maybe even more so with the way that he could have stretched the floor as well as protect the rim at that four and five position. Um, is there anybody else, you know, we've talked to Kobe a lot on this show, but is there anybody else from this class you want to highlight? 
Uh, definitely Tamika catching. Yeah. Not just for what she did uh, in the WNBA, but also the, the Olympian that she was. I think yeah. it was four golds mm-hmm. uh, that she won. And and for those of us who remember the the WNBA when you know in its inception. Um, uh, you know, over the years, you know, you had your short, your Cheryl Swoops, your Lisa Leslie's, your 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 Tina Thompson's, your Sue Burns, even Becky Hammond. But uh, on that list of, you know, hoopers, people who love hoop, um, uh, those women that they love to watch play, Tamika Catchings is on that list. Yeah. Um, and so to see her get her due, uh, was definitely special for me. Um, I've always been a Rudy T fan. Uh, so seeing him get in, but yeah, no, I, I never underestimate the heart of a champion. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness, uh, I definitely wanted more from KG's speech. Yes, um, but I, I to me, I kind of got the vibe that he, you know, while that was a moment for him and everything like that. I, I if Kobe was alive, I think his speech would have been different. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, so I think too. Guys would would have came with it a lot a lot harder, but um, you know, Tim Duncan's speech, you know, it was, it was boring for the most part. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think it's telling when when you run through all the different people who have to factor into your basketball life. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and then you end with pop. Yeah, I think that 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 lent so much gravity to what um uh, to what Greg Popovich is as a person and as a figure. Um, in people's lives, and uh, and I, I thought that was that was dope. And uh, TD somehow still does not get his due for being the number one or two power forward all all time. Number one, let's go ahead and just put that to rest. Number yeah. one power forward I mean, of all listen, time. I'm, I'm with it. All and the way. I know you're part of the part of the Carmelone fan club. Um, I am not. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> um, yeah, to catchings. I mean. The one thing you think about her from both NBA and WNBA players is just respect. Everybody respects her game. A two-way player could score, but also could get down in the stance and really guard you as well. Um, loved watching her play in the WNBA. And even at Tennessee, she was a monster as well. Um, and, of course, Tim Duncan, I think, as well as guys, I think history, He's just he was so consistent for so long that people just took it, took, took it for granted. Um, yeah. And so as much as I think Kevin Garnett is probably the most underrated, one of the most underrated players we've ever seen, Tim Duncan is one of the most forgotten just because of how good he was for so long. Um, but then let's also talk about the 2021 class, which got announced this past weekend, and they'll be inducted in September. This class includes Coach Rick Adelman, Chris Bosh, Yolanda Griffin, Lauren Jackson, Paul Pierce, Bill Russell as a coach. Ben Wallace, Chris Weber, Jay Wright, head coach of Villanova. Tony Kukoc is also a part of this class. Um, and there's some other contributors as well, including Val Ackerman, Cotton Fitzsimmons, Howard Garfinkel, and others. Um, anybody from this class you want to highlight? I, I've got a couple in mind, but I'll let you lead off. Well, this is actually dipping into my part in words, but I'll get, I got to give them now. Um, definitely. We spoke about him earlier in the pod, but Ben Wallace, man. Yeah. Um, what a special undersized center. Yeah. Um, also an alum of, uh, one of the colleges I attended Cuyahoga community college. Oh, I didn't and, know that. Uh, that in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. One of his, I mean, that in and of itself, like, my man had a meteoric rise yeah. uh, from out of nowhere and came into the league and just fought, just battled. Um, 
and and just so much respect to I, yeah to see him in this list of people. Um, uh, Chris Bosh, one of the greatest talents we've ever seen at, at power forward. Chris Webber just revolutionized the game. You know, you talked earlier about guys who who would fit into today's game. Yeah, and I think they that's that's an attest. You know, that's a testament to how versatile they were, um, how instrumental they were in what we see now. I think you know th- that's my favorite part of seeing who it is that gets honored. Um, and of course, we're just talking NBA game in this, but also you know college game, everything like that. Seeing yeah. these guys who came along that reshaped the game that that broadened the horizons of positions and that played a role in positionless basketball so uh but definitely ben wallace is a highlight for me um and ben uh, how's bill russell he's in as a player this is for him as a coach got you okay 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 for being the first black one yeah man so i mean this is a huge class i mean honestly a follow-up to this year's uh, uh next year's class is legit yeah um. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm glad Chris Webber finally got in. I know some people had some debate about whether he deserved. I think he definitely deserved to be in. Excited that he's finally getting in as a player. Won't be getting in as a broadcaster, but glad he's coming in as a player. I think Chris Bosh has to be one of the biggest what ifs that we don't talk about. Even um, after that, after that, LeBron James, the big three run there. Him and you know Dwayne were still together in Miami. Um, and his game, I think, would have translated really well as he got older because of how well he could shoot and pass the ball on the and work on around along the perimeter and what he could do defensively. It would have been yeah. great to see what would have happened with that Miami team um, in those last D Wade years if Chris Bosh was on that team and how they would have built that team out. So it's unfortunate what happened to him, but it's he was an incredible player that I think a lot of people forget about because of a, where he started his career in Toronto and then where mm-hmm. he, he was in that pecking order of the big three. Um, and also shout out to, to Lauren Jackson. Uh, really the Aussie was yes, an sir. amazing big player, front court player for the Seattle storm was part of championship runs there. And I remember Yolanda Griffin with the uh, Sacramento Monarchs coming up with Tina uh, Tina Pinachero and those those people and then I'm also excited to see Rick Adelman and Chris Weber come in together um, two guys that were a big part of what those um, Sacramento Kings teams did in the Western Conference some of the best teams to not win a championship Woo-hoo. what Rick Adelman was able to do um, coaching offense his offensive system that he ran with Chris Weber and Vadi Divac Mike Bibby Bobby Jackson all those yeah, guys man. Doug Christie um, Doug Christie, really big contributor yeah. to to what the NBA is now in those Sacramento teams um, and, and modern basketball. And let me say, yeah. Paul Pierce's speech better be lit in the 2021 class. He he better be I mean, the one that comes in unhinged. That's all I'm gonna say about that. I, I definitely need him to roll out in a wheelchair. Just do it. <laughs> And I need the person that accompanies him to be whoever that girl was. He was trying to give all that money. Yes. And I think his his uh, Hall of Fame party is going to be the littest party of them all. Oh, most definitely. (laughs) All the Smoke podcasts live from the Hall of Fame. It is going to be. There's going to be a waiting list to get into Paul Pierce's Hall of Fame party. If it hasn't already started now. Paul, give us a call. We would love to interview you. (laughs) At that point in time in history, I that would be dope. Am not. I don't want to be at that party because I do not partake in those activities. I am okay. 
um, not partaking in those activities. And I want the world to know that. Um, for, for, for professional reasons. So. <laughs> um, so that's all that's in our rundown, but you guys know how we like to end the show. And it's with our parting words. Ian, give us your parting words for today. Well, since I've already shouted out Ben Wallace, um, I got to go ahead and, and, and give a dearly departed to uh, Zach Levine. Is he dead? No. Nah. <laughs> I was going to say, what did I miss? <laughs> but, man, I, I, I hate in all of these considerations that his name is not really going to come up. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, for a guy who came back from an ACL injury, um, a guy that's a, that's a leaper and, and – uh, all such things, but over still overcoming odds, and now I've developed into a solid player. Um, I gave my projected most improved player for next year, um, but my guy that I think is going to step into spotlights as long as Chicago can can put it together with it, put a team around him. Um, I think Zach Levine's going. He's going. He's going to be a name that's in a lot of our mouths next year. So. Mm-hmm. Listen, to the Light Skin Coalition, I will give this one concession. Zach Levine, I think, is is promising, has a promising NBA future. Looking forward to it. That might be the first and last time we mention Zach Levine, although he did have a really good year this year. Shout out to Zach Levine. Um, that team is just god-awful at life. It's terrible. It's terrible. Um, my parting words go to the great Simone Augustus announced her retirement from the WNBA this year. I remember her coming out of a LSU dynamics score on the perimeter, um, could really beat you anywhere was the number one overall pick of the Minnesota Lynx, where she spent all but one year of her career winning multiple championships, um, eight time all-star, uh, six time all WNBA, um, just a tremendous, I mean, I, I just remember her being a bucket. She was a, a living bucket. Um, and so shout out to her. She's going to be taking a, a head co- assistant coach position with the Sparks this year. Um, but she had a great career. I'll always remember her, not just in the WNBA, but in college. I think she's going to be a future Hall of Famer as well. Uh, so shout out to, to Simone Augustus on a great career and this next phase of her career as well. And shout out to all the ladies of the WNBA. Watch some games, yeah. some of these early games. Sabrina Ionesco is looking amazing. Um, don't sleep on the Chicago Sky. Candace Parker um, and that team look like they're a really good team in the Eastern Conference. I'm excited about this WNBA season as well. They got some injury concerns, but yeah. most definitely. Yeah. I, um, we should talk about. I don't know, man. We we might have to talk more WNBA. Um, do you? All right, real quick, real quick, real quick. Seattle Storm, are they are they the best WNBA franchise? Like of all time? Yeah. That's tough. I know the Sparks are up there. They're up there. I think Minnesota has to be considered in that as well. Their Minnesota? run is their yeah. run is is tough to top. Um, and if Maya Moore had, hadn't stopped playing for the last couple of years, I think the roommate may have continued. I mean, Seattle's up there. I mean, they've had, they've had two different iterations of this team, you know, the exactly. Lauren Jackson, Sue Bird, and then they've done it now with Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart. Brianna Stewart. Um, yeah, man. man, that's tough. I, I had, I'd have to think about that, but I think there's, there's a good, there's a good argument to be made for them. Yeah. Find out next time, kids. Next time. We'll we'll do our definitive uh, WNBA Power Rankings next week on the pod. Um, and that is how we're going to end our show today. From Cleveland, Ohio, Mr. Pivot himself, international 
Ian, Lamont, Morgan. Zion, it's all love. <laughs> Lies. And here in the capital city, they call him the black Shohei Otani because the boy is versatile. This is Malcolm Morgan, and this has been the 3 in 1 podcast. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you all next time. <laughs>